heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Call now with your question, 224-585-WSFI. That's 224-585-9734. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another wonderful show, Healing the Whole Person. Today we have one of our star speakers, our one of our most beloved um, presenters, um, Christian Catholic layperson Kyle Clement. Many of you remember him from the Soul Ties Conference, where he was the, one of the main speakers last October at Mundelein. So he's in the studio today visiting um, from Texas. So we welcome him, and I understand he's going to p- talk about the reclaiming the Catholic definition of healing. So this is going to be a very interesting show. For those of you who may not remember, um, Kyle has a a big bio, but basically he's an authorized uh, speaker and presenter on spiritual warfare for the Archdiocese of Denver, and he's a member of the, or an instructor and facilitator at the uh, Leo XIII Institute, He's a regular on WSFI Catholic Radio. He participates in men's Catholic conferences. He presents on spiritual warfare, um, relational authority, reclaiming manhood. Um, He does parish missions. And he and his wife, Val, of 36 years, are the parents of three and grandparents of seven. And they work together and they pray together and they split their time between camps in Colorado and Texas. So they ask you for their continued, for your continued prayers. So I'd like to say um, we're very excited to have Kyle in the studio, and we're equally excited for the talk on the Catholic definition of healing. So Kyle, welcome. Thank you, Joan. It's so good to be here with you. Good, good. Us too. Well, I, I think that to jump right in, if you will. Uh, There's only one way to wrestle an alligator, and you have to just jump in and get a hold. So uh, a little Texas euphemism there. But all of us know deep down inside that suffering has purpose. Our life, our struggle here has purpose. The secular is what in culture teaches us that it's about pleasure. But we as Catholics are configured to God through the church. We have a different relationship. And so sometimes it's difficult for others to understand our disposition or our attitude uh, toward God's holy will. We as Catholics just simply have a different relationship with the triune God. I think that first and foremost is to reclaim some of the modern language and disposition. The definition of healing is to be reconciled to God the Father through Christ the Son and His Church. In the canon of the Mass, healing is mentioned once in a very powerful way. After the Agnus Dei, the priest presents to us the Agnus Dei, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Our response is, Domini nom sum dignus et intres subtectum meum, 
Siddik Verbo. Sanabator anima mea. Sanabator anima mea. And my soul shall be healed. Meaning, removed, the sin is removed, my soul is healed, it's back in reconciled relationship with God. Prior to 1960, the sacrament was known as penance. It was not known as reconciliation. Reconciliation was the effect. The sacrament is named for the action, not the effect. It's named for the action. And so, baptism is named, the sacrament of baptism is named for the action. The sacrament of matrimony or holy orders is named for the action, which brings about the sacrament. It's connected. And so, the sacrament of penance begins with confession. Center point is penance, and the effect is reconciliation. Modernly, we want to skip by this uncomfortable portion of penance. We, we want to, to get by that, kind of whistle by the graveyard, if you will. And so, to recall and to reclaim this very Catholic definition of healing is paramount to the understanding of the human condition and the human relationship. Let's look at another concept that secular society fosters upon us, and that is the idea of the father wound or the mother wound. But let's focus on the father wound. With regard to the father wound, this is a construct of modern psychology which says you are owed something. We are owed nothing. All is gift. Your very life is a gift. I would propose that there is, in fact, a father wound, and we're all participatory in it. It is God the Father who is wounded, and we are the cause of that offense. It's a very different disposition than people you meet on the street will have. Compounding upon this is the concept that if I'm entitled, then secular society encourages me to confess the sins of others, to be caught up in the sins of others, the actions of others, and blind to my own defects, my own sins. In doing this, this is why reconciliation, penance, and confession has been relegated to a quaint practice that happens on a Saturday afternoon. We're in the season of Lent. It is time to turn inside out, is to, is to turn out all of our dirty laundry, spring cleaning, if you will, to take stock of what is in our closet? What are the skeletons in our closet? What are the unconfessed sins? What are the things that stand between us and God? Where is the source of our dis-ease, our disease, our impediments to grace, to both actual and sanctifying grace? These are all concepts that we as Catholics need to become familiar with because they're quickly disappearing from our vocabulary and from our thought. It leads us to a beautiful area of reflection and relationship with God that is the concept of contrition and then compunction. These may seem antiquated or archaic to some, but these are very real concepts. Contrition is the understanding that my actions have caused offense to God's holy justice, to what is right, to right order, to right authority to obedience, to docility, to virtuous concepts. 
my sins militate against that right order, God's will pervading the universe. So if God's will is thwarted, it is my fault, my fault, my most grievous fault. What's missing from our language is mea culpa, my fault, I did that. When we do the mea culpa, when we step forward and take full responsibility, our willingness to suffer is, is increased. We're open now to ad octum grace or actual grace. Actual grace is the grace that God bestows upon us in any given moment ad octum per event. But it builds upon sanctifying grace. One must be holy to be a martyr. One must have a lifetime of ripening, of conditioning, of chastisement, if you will. Martyrdom doesn't happen in a glaring moment to a soul that is bereft of sanctifying grace. It is simply the crown. It is the, it is the final realization of that soul that is ripe and ready to meet God in testimony to his faith. Are we truly ready to be martyred? Or better still, are we ready to be humiliated? If you live a Catholic life, a fully militant Catholic life, imbibing the truth, then you will be humiliated on a regular basis. This increases your capacity for sanctifying grace and your potential for ad octum or actual grace. These concepts may seem foreign, but it goes back to the desire to be reconciled to God. That is the definition of healing in the Catholic sense, is to be reconciled to God the Father through Christ the Son. The words of absolution when we exit the sacrament of penance we make a firm amendment to change our life and the priest says to us, God the Father, through the death, burial, and resurrection of his Son, has reconciled the world to himself. Your sins are absolved. Those words all go together because we are now joining our sins to the sacrifice of Christ, to the passion of the Christ. The passion of the Christ is the ultimate suffering with which to join our sin. This is part of healing. It's not the cessation of suffering. It's the application of suffering to salvific purpose. Are you stopping? I am. <laughs> I'm so deep in thought I wasn't prepared for you to stop. I don't... It just came to there <laughs> dear so this is just so like uh, there's so much to unpack here um the first of all let, can we go back to the father wound sure we are the cause are is that are you saying the father wound is that adam and eve is that our first the sin of our parents any injustice against god the father any injustice or any act against right order or his holy will wounds in as, in as much as it damages the cosmos. An original sin, God created, when he created the heavens and the earth, evil is not there. 
And so mm. that comes in from the apostate free will act of a creature in opposition to God's holy right, will. Right, right. And so that's so the father uh, so so it makes sense that that the father when sin enters the world, it it wounds the father. Correct. Okay. Correct. So then so then he sent his son to help heal us and repair the wound well what it amounts to is the wound cannot be repaired so it becomes a glorified scar look at the scars of sacrifice of jesus mm. we want to erase the effects of sin and it can't be done and in catholic theology to absolutely expunge it is not there we still talk about the temporal effects of sin the necessity for purgatory or further purification beyond life but this idea that sin is only answered in suffering because the wages of sin are suffering. Suffering enters the world through sin. And Jesus conquers sin through suffering. He conquers it through the cross. He conquers it by suffering for those who either are unwilling or unable. And I think that's one of the keys for us to realize is that we must suffer for those who are unwilling and unable. We must suffer for our enemies. We must suffer for those who militate against the church. This is precisely what Jesus did. Yes. By his stripes, we are healed. Yes. And so he takes on our sin, our impurity, our apostate fallen nature. He takes that upon his innocent nature in the exemplar of sacrifice. You know, Kyle, I understand this. I mean... I've been t I grew up Catholic and educated by the Sacred Heart nuns. I mean, th I get all this. I get most of it. But I don't think most people out in the walking around Catholics know about suffering for others. No, St. Teresa of Avila talks about three classes of people. She talks about those who are uh, hardened sinners. They're in habitual mortal sin. They're mm -hmm. hardened sinners. And they have no interest in amending their life or any concept of, of being trying to be pleasing to God. And then she has an interesting middle category that she calls paralyzed souls. These are cultural Christians or cultural Catholics. They're paralyzed. And they become paralyzed because they know the truth, yet they can't act in accord with the truth. Mm -hmm. This is the paralytic by the pool. The pool gets stirred up every day. He just can't seem to make it down there. And so he's there. He's in proximity. These are people who are going to Mass. Right. But they're not living Mass. They're going to confession, but they're not being reconciled through confession. Mm -hmm. They're going to the Eucharist, but they don't believe in the real presence. These are They're going through the motions. Correct. These are the paralyzed souls that Teresa says, because spiritually they're frozen, they're paralyzed. They cannot move. And then there are those of us in the church suffering or the church militant, and we're imbibing grace to the extent that we're conformed to God. Mm -hmm. And so... Each soul is different in its conformity to God. We're all given different things. We're all placed in different life positions. But you have to believe that 
the God of order, the God who brings cosmos out of chaos, sent your soul precisely to the gender, the family, the ethnicity, the time, the epoch, when it had the most salvific purpose. The demon is right there to tell you, you're born into the wrong family, the wrong culture, the wrong time. These people don't understand you. In fact, you're born the wrong gender. God has, in fact, made a mistake. If we believe any of that lie or any piece of that, mm -hmm. then we become paralyzed. We become, it's about us and not about God. The father wound is simply the fact that we show him our back. We turn our back on him. Mm -hmm. We do not turn to face him. We turn our back on him and in, involved in our own pursuits to the exclusion mm -hmm. of God. This is the ultimate rejection. Mm -hmm. You know, this makes me so sad because, I mean, I, I believe what you're saying. And I, I think of so many people that I know that, including people very close that maybe are like paralyzed that are, don't really get it and so how can we help them the way we help them is to number one don't worry worry militates against the efficacy of your prayer worry worry militates against the efficacy of our prayer Padre Pio had it right pray and don't worry meaning to give it absolutely to God to do with as he will and to offer these people, recommend these people to God. We as parents oftentimes thwart this because we continually relate to these souls as our children when in fact they're part of the mystical body of Christ. They've been, right. they've been confirmed. They've had first communion. They're eligible to receive grace from God directly through vocation we keep them stunted, if you will, because we constantly see them as children, when in fact, they are souls that oftentimes have families and spouses and responsibilities. Instead of affirming them in those adult roles and affirming, affirming them in those roles which would act to bring grace into humanity, uh -huh. we constantly visualize them as a child. We diminish them. We don't relate to them as brothers and sisters in Christ. So the way to be with people in general, even in our own family, is to affirm and love them for who they are and not for what they are not? Precisely, precisely, is to... Conjure in your mind the picture of them when they were in right relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, if you want your grandchildren blessed, mm -hmm. it's going to come through their parents. So you better pray that that font of grace be opened in their parents. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that's the, the, the prayer where we lose part of our focus is we get worried and we, we get anxious and we have this emotional response to what seems to be an unsolvable situation. They're God's creatures. God made them. Mm -hmm. And so if we pray that they be open to grace, that's an ult ultimately the best and safest prayer. That they be open to grace. And God continue to pour it on them. We only have a minute left, but what I'm, what I'm s sensing from what you're saying is that uh, in the second category, are, we are, we're victims, we're like victims. It's so easy in our culture to, you know, to not blame ourselves. It's like, this was done to me. This is not my fault. This, I'm the victim. And you take that all the way into politics. There's a whole slew of politicians and, 
and um, a party that sees itself as a victim. Well, I think that's what paralyzes all of us is this concept of victimhood. Um, we have to absolutely turn that inside out. Exactly, exactly. So, um, because Jesus was a victim for our salvation to, to free us from being victims. From that disposition, from that attitude. Yes, yes. And so there's so much hope in, in our faith. To and nowhere else. And nowhere else. All right, we're going to stop and take a little break, but don't go away. Kyle is coming back with more on um, this topic. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MAT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Hello, I'm Father James Kubicki, the U.S. Director of the Apostleship of Prayer, and I ask you to support Catholic Radio in your area because Catholic Radio is the way that we can get the word out today. It's Catholic evangelization at its best, and I've heard conversion stories all over the place because of people who have tuned in as they're driving or in their homes listening to Catholic Radio by accident and the Lord touching their hearts through the message they heard. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated.
Welcome back to Healing the Whole Person. We're having a stimulating discussion with Kyle Clement uh, from the Leo the Thirteenth Institute. Um, he's speaking about the Catholic reclaiming the Catholic definition of healing, and um, we we left off at a place where we were talking about um, people. Uh, the second category of people, according to Saint Teresa of Avila, who are like paralyzed souls. Um, they just go about the motions, and they, they're mostly like victims, like it's not their fault. It's like they don't really get it. They, don't, they go to communion, but they don't really believe in the real presence. So this is a lot of, a lot of people. I mean, I've been there myself, but hopefully I'm not there anymore. But I want to open up the discussion because we have um, Alejandro in the studio audience, and he's sitting here very patiently. Thank you, Alejandro, Joe. why don't you just say a little bit about yourself and then ask Kyle a question? Uh, sure. Uh, living around northeast corner of Illinois, uh, I'm going plan on joining a Franciscan community in Indiana called Franciscan Friars Minor in September. So for now, helping out a little bit of some data stuff at the station, as well as uh, helping out a parish in Kenosha that I'm Beautiful. pretty comfortable with. Wonderful. Thank you for being here and for all your call, your answering the call. So do you have a question for Kyle? Well, not so much a question as I think uh, maybe some of our listeners would appreciate if you could get a little more into suffering and prayer just because um, a lot of like good Catholic books I've read from authors such as Michael D. O'Brien or even going so back as far back as Tolkien, do mention that we can offer up our suffering. And I think St. Teresa of Avila was known for offering up those sufferings as to fulfill prayer because uh, it's very frequent. It's, and I, I'd say in culture today that you see horrific, not just shootings, but break-ins, family disasters. And some people feel like, well, what can I do with all this pain in my life? It's a good point. In the, the Catholic Church for centuries was focused on this. We were the uh, conscience of the culture. And at the same time, by suffering for the culture, for suffering for those who either cannot or will not, then you bring about conversion. This is ultimately what Teresa, uh, St. Teresa of Avila was talking about when she talked about community. Um, St. Benedict in his rule uh, for monastics, he said, if you do not have a monk who sings off tune, who is a problem, who is sloppy, <laughs> then ask and we'll send you one. <laughs> <laughs> These souls are the source of sanctification. We often find that we have lost the appreciation for the troublesome soul as a uh, sanctifying presence in our life as a purifying presence in our life we pray for patience and yet when we get the opportunity to perfect the virtue we <laughs> we we lose our temper and so then we all we pray to control our temper and we lose the miss the opportunity there god does not infuse the virtue he gives you opportunities to perfect it and that's through suffering trial and adversity and so we're constantly being tried, chastised, pruned to increase our fruitfulness. And so one of the amazing things about the Fatima apparition is you've got three small shepherd children who after this encounter with the Blessed Mother and the angel now are doing severe penances in reparation. They're taking on severe mortifications. 
this is very much against the childlike nature. So what was happening in their soul? They're transformed from children who are seeking play and pleasure to seek children who are seeking penance and reconciliation and communion with God. And what changes that is the Blessed Mother making and the angel making clear to them the necessity for reparation. It's a word that's left our lexicon. Mm, so true. That's uh, very unfortunate. Um, I guess it would help to mention, uh, could you, and I heard this term mentioned during my formation uh, with the Friars Minor, could you go into a little bit about what is meant by uh, imprudent penance? Because it, Certainly. Some, yeah, go ahead. Imprudent penance is usually born out of a self-imposed guilt. And so this is another form of disobedience or pride, actually. When you go to confession and you confess your sin, have you ever, uh, we limit the absolution. We, we limit the effectiveness of the sacrament. And so what will happen is we'll go in, we'll confess the sin, and he'll, the priest will give us a penance. We often find ourselves coming out of the confessional saying, you know, I just don't think he listened to me. That was a particularly egregious sin. Before you go further, what is imprudent penance? And that's what we're talking about. It is a penance that usually is self-imposed. And so it is imposed out of pride. And so um, what will happen, and we'll come out of the confessional, and we'll say, you know, he only gave me 10 Hail Marys. (laughs) I deserve 100, so I'm going to say 100. Well, this is, in fact, an act of disobedience, and it's imprudent penance wow. because it's not what the priest said. Are people like that? Joan, you may be the only one who is not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. But that purity, <laughs> that purity is, a, is a real gift because quite often, especially in monastic life and for people who are seeking vocation, their desires are having to be tempered. And it's not that they're lukewarm, it's that they're too hot. And so it has to be tempered in form. This is, this is what is formation. It's particularly difficult for the Western mentality to, be, to allow itself to be formed. St. Thomas says that opinion kills counsel, so we must <laughs> avoid opinion. So when the, novici, the, the novice comes to the novitiate, he comes full of opinions. And the first thing he must do is check those at the door Mm -hmm. and allow the superior to tell him what he can think. Mm -hmm. Literally, this helps with custody of the mind and formation along a baseline or along right avenues and right doctrines. Most of us do not have the mental disposition for Catholicism. So what we did was we changed Catholicism rather than conform our mental defect our deficiencies to the rigors of catholicism we've begun to make catholicism conform to our mental illness Mm. and as a society we are simply mentally ill we feel we don't think Mm -hmm. Uh, true uh, let's see what else oh um now this is something i'd heard about before um discerning uh, a religious life vocation it was um, at the moment of the Mass, when the priest elevates the host for the consecration, uh, you, can, you can say, like, your intention or whatever suffering you personally going through, you can pray to place it on there? Or 
get a little more specific of how that yeah, works. Some of the imagery is, is we are, we are asked in the operatory, actually, uh, oh, okay. even back before that in the, in the new order of the mass, uh, the confidior should be present. Um, in the confidior, we confess our sins of thought, word, and deed. We address venial sin, and we are being cleansed of venial sin at the confidior, right at the beginning of the Mass, so that now <clears throat> nothing should interfere with our hearing the liturgy of the Word. And then in the offertory, the liturgy of the Word is in the sermon is to convict us of those things which we should place at the offertory, our sins, our shortcomings, our attachments to this physical world, the things that keep us from doing what Christ is doing in front of us, which is offering himself unreservedly to God the Father. And at the moment of elevation, this is when we should renew our desire for spousal union with God, either through a marriage or through holy orders. But the spousal union is the total gift of self, is the uniting of my gift. So I, as a married, at the consecration, I'm recalling the nuptial mass. I'm recalling when I stood with my wife in front of God and joined to her invocation and giving up my body. This is my body, which will be given up for you. This is my life. This is my everything that I am. My total identity is being joined to her for that sacrifice. And so the Mass constantly draws us back to spousal union with Christ, that total gift of self, joining to his total gift. Wow, that's a very beautiful, like just combining Mass and just what, for most people, is just the ordinary day-to-day -day of marriage. It's amazing. And <laughs> so I'm reminded of, um, I, did, I wrote a book on the Mass, and I loved researching it. And one of the things I remember most was um, St. Jerome, um, yes. what he wrote, um, someone asked, uh, he said, he said to the Lord, what more, what, what, uh, let me see, what more can I, he, at the offertory, what more can I give you, Lord, that you do not have? He had tried to give himself totally, and the Lord said, give me your emptiness that I may fill it. Precisely. I love whatever, that. whatever it is that you have, that's what Christ is asking for. Mm -hmm. St. Paul says, I'm making up what is lacking in the sacrifice of Christ, in the suffering of Christ. Mm -hmm. And we think, how can anything be lacking? The only thing that is lacking is our suffering being joined to yes, His. Yes, yes. And that's what He's asking for. Yes, yes. And so, Kyle, I'm back to. Um, the Fatima children doing mortification. Yes. I want you to, s I don't want to stop you, Alessandro, because you have no, good no, questions. No, no, a little change this is, um, this is like, I have so many grandchildren. How would you tell these little grandchildren about mortification? Do you have a way to do it? I think that this is something that is an acquired taste. Remember that these children, though they were children, right. they were doing what they were supposed to do. They were watching the sheep. Right. They were in obedience. Yes. They yes. were where they were supposed to be. So I think you start out by saying the value of obedience is you are where you are supposed to be. Mm -hmm. It puts you in right relationship with God so that if the Blessed Mother shows up, 
you're where you're supposed to be. <laughs> and that where you're supposed to be is so important to stress to them without the concept or entitlement or expectation of any reward, doing right is its own reward. Archbishop Fulton Sheen said, right is right even if nobody is. And so it's to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And you tie that into obedience. That's the way we know where to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing is being obedient. This puts us into a place where we can receive actual grace, ad optum grace. Mm -hmm. We're in the will of God. So if you're doing what your parents are telling you, if you're obedient, if you're doing what your superior is telling you, if you're following the vows of your vocation, this is being in the right place at the right time. So really it's to teach them about obedience. Precisely. Precisely. That makes it a little easier. It makes it doable. Yes, yes, It's yes. the value of obedience. Yeah. But if you want to raise rebellious children, <laughs> then be rebellious. <laughs> Truly, we don't realize it. When we speak against the church hierarchy, when we speak mm-hmm. against our boss, when we mm-hmm. speak against the policeman who pulls us over, mm-hmm. we're teaching our children to oppose authority. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Any more questions, Alexander? I guess. Uh, is there any way we can ask our guardian angels to help us uh, with this, like how to offer up our daily sufferings, whether it's like flat tire on the way to work or maybe something serious as someone has stolen a bunch of money from my account? Well, I think that, yes, but understand the way the guardian angel works okay. is your will is still superior to his. Hmm. So when you ask for help, then you are subjecting yourself to his input. And he can only speak in the will of God. He can only speak to you in a way that moves you toward the will of God, which is always and everywhere our salvation. Mm-hmm. And so we can, we, we can compromise our guardian angel very quickly because mm-hmm. he's not going to follow us into a place of sin. He's not going to follow us into grave matter we at, when we ask for his input, then we need to be willing to respond to that little bitty prick of conscience, that least little uncomfortable uh, conscience, that least little movement that says, this is not good for me. We have to be willing to respond to that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and so, okay, let, can we go back to the suffering for a minute? Yeah. I've had this foot problem for since my husband died February 1st. Three days later, the foot problem started with muscles, tendons, the MRIs don't show much of anything, x-ray, and yet I'm in all this pain. And I have to wear this wooden shoe and ankle support. And I, when I walk, it hurts. And so I, I'm listening to your talk on suffering. I am offering this up. But can you give me a better idea of how to offer up this suffering? Because I'm mad about it. And it's like, Jesus, okay. please heal it. I, okay. I can't walk. Okay, Joan, this is going to sting. So okay. get ready. Okay. <laughs> Number one, anytime you have a pain, realize there's a physiological reason for pain. Mm -hmm. We're humans. Okay. And so if a thing hurts to walk, don't walk. Oh, okay. All right. (laughs) I mean, the pain response is there for a reason. Okay. And so that's number one is is it's there for a reason. In our Western world, we want somebody to tape it up so we can get back in the game. Exactly. (laughs) And what God's saying is, 
Joni, I've given you some pain that you can offer for Tom. Wow. I've given, just get quiet. Stay in your cell. Mm. Pray. I'm trying to, to be intimate with you spiritually with you and Tom. Mm. I'm giving you something that is an immeasurable value. Tom no longer has a body with which to suffer. You have the coin of the realm for salvation, which is physical suffering, to offer it for Tom. And you have such a beautiful visual, which is the feet of our Lord on the cross. Mm-hmm. Visualize his precious feet ruined by that nail, by mm-hmm. that spike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So whenever you feel that pain, join it and give thanks to God for the opportunity to suffer and to join your suffering to his. When you start to do this, then you start to become warrior-like in your suffering. It's not about escaping the suffering. It's about using it and turning it into a weapon. Mm -hmm. This is what the Blessed Mother did. This is what our Lord did. But truly, it is a gift. It is a great blessing. And the more it immobilizes us, the more we will realize the blessing. Mm. So no matter what you have to do is not as important as praying for Tom. Oh, wow. Because he just died. Correct. Mm -hmm. But I I feel like he might be in heaven. He died while we were praying the Chaplet of Mercy. And I feel like God just took him. Well, I think that, you know, he had the apostolic pardon. He sure. had all of these things. Yeah. So if not for Tom, for others, for the conversion okay. of your grandchildren. Okay, for, okay, okay. I mean, you're in, a, you're in a great place. And so to offer it to the Blessed Mother to apply as she sees fit. But whatever the suffering may be, it's not that it be taken from us. Mm-hmm. It's that we have the courage and the strength and the perseverance to go through it. You just helped me tons. Thank you. Thanks be to God. How's your foot feel? It's, it actually is feeling a little better right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks this be to great. God. So we have almost seven minutes left. I, there are several emails, requests for prayer, plus I have a few that I've heard about. Um, could I tell you what these emails are? Sure. And then you, will, you take it all in and then you will pray for people and you too, Alejandra. Right. So we, ha- we have an email from Tom who's... I think we had this email last week, too. Tom, if you're there, he's praying and asking God to bring happiness back into his life. Uh, he's asking for rec- reconciliation with this uh, this love of his life, who I think they broke up or something. So he, he's dying for reconciliation. Um, then we have a long email from Julian, and it's way too long to read, but I know our Lord knows what he's writing. And it's all about his family and neighbor, a close neighbor, um, that and he's asking for repentance. And he's asking for all good spiritual things for his family and himself. That's Julian. And then I have a, a good friend. She's younger. She has young kids, and she had cancer that was in her bones and is now spread to her brain. And she's the most alive young woman you have ever met in your life. Her name is Molly. And so she's going through a real trial now of this brain cancer. And then uh, my little granddaughter, Ellie, has cystic fibrosis and has had pneumonia and the flu and is trying to heal, but there's more bacteria in her lungs. So she's trying hard to have faith and to pray and to, you know, get her life together. But it's very hard as a 14-year-old to 
you know, try to overcome this and to accept it. And so those are the, the prayer requests so far. Okay. I think that, first of all, just to comment on them, uh, perhaps in no particular order, but Ellie, I, I think that there used to be a, um, a fixture in Catholic households, and it was called Butler's Lives of the Saints. Mm -hmm. And we read daily about four to six martyrs and, and others. Many of those are very, very young. I would like for you very much to read about St. Jacinta. She was just canonized last year. She's one of the children, shepherd children from Fatima. When she was nine years old, she had pneumonia. And the medicine at the time, because of the smallness of her body, they removed three of her ribs with no anesthesia. Oh. Yeah. And oh. she said throughout the operation, sweet Jesus, sweet Jesus, sweet Jesus. Oh, my the doctor, who was an atheist, converted. Oh, how beautiful. She had such a profound effect on all of those in the hospital. Please read, read this account. How we suffer gives testimony to Christ. Martyrdom doesn't always come in a blinding flash. Here is a girl who is suffering heroically, and she is a wonderful intercessor for young people who are in pain, who are terminal, she is an amazing intercessor. That's beautiful, Kyle. Thank you for that. With regard to Julian, release it all. Release them to God's care. Consecrate all of these, all of your concerns. Consecrate everything to the Blessed Mother. Because if you are visualizing solutions then you limit God's ability to do a Red Sea moment, to do something that is so magnificent, there's no way you can imagine it. We limit God's ability to work because we visualize how we want him to work. And we, we say, this is my will, this is my thought, God, I want you to make it happen. Absolutely release them. Absolutely release them to God. Have no expectations. Just ask God to shower them with grace. With regard to Tom, do you love her enough to let her go? Do you love her enough to protect her from you? <laughs> it's a good question. Absolutely. Purify your love for Christ by purifying your love for her. Mm-hmm. And for my friend Molly, with the, the cancer has spread to her brain. Oh, Molly. Molly, you have a standard here, a, a standard to lift high. Your children are in a unique position. You can teach them how to suffer and die and give glory to God. Teaching our children to live is one thing. Teaching them to die is heroic. Mm. So if you can teach them to die well, to suffer well, and your exemplar here is the, is the woman in Maccabees who is exhorting her sons to a noble death as they are dismembered in front of her. Mm -hmm. She's not talking about unfairness. She's not talking about this is unjust. She's not talking about don't you know who they are. She's exhorting them to a noble 
and courageous death. This is the Blessed Mother at the foot of the cross. Jesus is not hearing from the Blessed Mother this is unfair. He's hearing from her by her presence. Do what your father told you to do, even until death. Oh, it's so beautiful. Kyle, could you just give a blessing to our listeners, everybody that's listening? I would love to, Joan, but I'm not able to. I'm a layman. I okay. have no authority over your <laughs> we'll listeners. Say, we'll say a little prayer to our, for our listeners. Excellent. Oh, Lord, please favor all of those who are enlightened by this station, whose fears are assuaged, whose confidence is built, and whose suffering needs purpose. Bless them, Lord. I ask you to give them courage and perseverance as they pursue your holy will. In Christ's most holy and precious name, amen. amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy, holy Spirit, Spirit amen. amen. Thank you, Kyle. Beautiful show. You have been listening to Healing the Whole Person on WSFI. 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit us online at wsfiradio.org. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease.